Hey, God, we, and we believe this with good dirt. We've been declaring this for two weeks. Uh, I think today um, this text has really jumped out and, and grabbed a hold of my heart. I, I did not see it coming. been studying it all week, and I am super excited to dive into this. But we need to declare among ourselves, God wants to bloom something beautiful in me. But first, I have to become you got to become good dirt. God's got to be working with something, or else the seed just falls, and the seed falls, and the seed falls, and it falls on deaf ears, it falls on worried ears, it falls on concerned ears, it falls on shallow ears, or it falls on non-responsive ears, and as much as He wants to rain down seed on you to transform your life and to lead you into the life that He's called you to lead, it has to land on good dirt. You know what that means? That means you have to be far better of a listener than I am a preacher. You've got to be far more willing to receive than anything that I can just throw at you over and over and over because it doesn't matter how good or bad or anything it is. If it's, if it's here and it goes to there, it's on the soil of your heart to land. We have to understand something. When we talk about two, and I'm going I'm to build, I'm going to teach for about five minutes and just kind of set you up for where we're headed. When we talk about Israel, and in particular the children of Israel, we have to understand we are in direct application when it comes to the children of Israel. In other words, God gave Abraham a promise that was fulfilled in Christ. Galatians 3, verse 16, it says, God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. Notice, singular. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. In other words, God gave Abraham a promise that is going to be fulfilled through Christ for the children of Israel. Now look at Galatians 3.29. It says, now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Here's why that's important. Because when we cover in the book of Hosea that God recommits his love and his faithfulness to the children of Israel, that is you today. He's committing his love, and he's recommitting his faithfulness to you. So contextually, it's not us, but applicably, filled through Christ, it is directly to us that he's speaking to. That's important to understand, because the book of Hosea, let me, let me give you a little bit of a background of the book of Hosea. Hosea was called to be a prophet to the children of Israel and the northern kingdom of Israel during their worst time as a nation. Their king at the time was Jeroboam. He was a disaster. The Assyrian Empire had just absolutely destroyed the nation of Israel and had enslaved the children of Israel. So God calls Hosea to marry a prostitute named Gomer. They get married. They have three children together. She cheats on him. After she cheats on him, their marriage falls apart. Everything's a disaster. And then God goes to Hosea, and he calls him to go back to Gomer to find her, to pay off her debts to all of her lovers, and to recommit his love and faithfulness to her. God then says that all that he's asked Hosea to do is a prophetic symbol to the way God treats us. In other words, 
God has been like a faithful husband to us. He brought the children of Israel out of slavery. They rebelled. He stayed faithful. He brought them to the promised land, and everything that they inherited in the promised land, they turned around and made false worship of it to Baal. He could have broken the covenant. He could have left them, and he could have sent them out into exile and despair forever, yet he chose to love them. He chose to recommit himself to them. Aren't you thankful we have a God that chose to stay with us in the middle of all of our rebellion? I mean, aren't you thankful that in the middle of your addiction, he has chosen to stay with you? In the middle of your rebellion, in the middle of your running away, in the middle of your careless attitude, disregarding the things of God, aren't you thankful that he chose to give Christ now for us? The promise was fulfilled in Abraham's child, Christ, now to us. Aren't you thankful that he gave Christ for us, to die for us, to be buried for us, to rise for us, so that he can have a relationship with us and we can live how he has called us to live despite our rebellious past. Aren't you thankful we serve a God that chose to stay with us? So, he recommits his love and his faithfulness to the people. And then he comes to them and he has this fatherly moment in Hosea 10, 12 through 13. And the 12 and 13, the verses can be broken up like this. Verse 12 is what you can do. Verse 13 is what you're currently doing. So listen as he addresses them, and he addresses them from this fatherly position. He says, I said to you, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Verse 13, this is what they're actually doing. He's saying, here's what you can do, here's what you're actually doing. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your, in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Um, how fun is parenting, <laughs> right? Parents of three or more, let me see you. How fun is parenting? That's why they're in there and you're in here. And you're like, go as long as you want. I don't care. Keep going, man. Just let them, let them stay in there and I'll be in here. And Man, we may leave them. We'll go to lunch and we'll come back and hopefully the kids' ministry will forgive us, right? No, listen, I, I love, love, love my children, they're incredible. The greatest, greatest earthly blessing outside of my wife and my kids, and I, I love them. And, um, man, we are, we are going through a unique scenario in the Cunningham house right now. I'll set it up to you like this. Uh, I was listening to a podcast of Lou Holtz, famous football coach, um, an incredible parent, a godly man, a Christian follower of Christ. And, whoa, did I go? Okay, I'm back. And, they asked Lou Holtz on there, the guy that was hosting the podcast, he said, Lou, you're a great father. Like, how have you raised such incredible children? And he, and he said, man, you must have been all over them, blah, blah, blah. And, the guy, and Lou Holtz said, you know, I've actually never, ever punished my children ever in their lives. And the host was like, wait, what? And he said, yeah, I never punished them. I just gave them the consequences that they agreed to. Right? I thought, man, that's pretty slick. 
I'm going to take that one and I'm going to use it. So um, when I was a kid growing up, it was dial dish soap. It was that, no, 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 it was the hand soap. It was the little bottle. It was like yellowish orange. And I, I am scarred from that. I would rather get COVID-19 than wash my hands with that stuff. Because I got so many squirts of that stuff in my mouth when I was in trouble. If I said something I shouldn't, she got, my mom got that yellow orangish, nasty dial soap, and she came walking with me, and she's like, open your mouth, open your mouth, and I was like, and you know, give you one squirt, and it was just, it was terrible, so I thought, okay, here's what we're going to do, we're a little more natural, a little more uh, non-GMO, HMO, PPO, CCO, whatever, we, we don't, we don't want to use soap, because, you know, there's toxins in soap, so we decided we're going to use vinegar, oh, yeah, right? So we get my son in, and we come to this agreement, right? I said, okay, here's the deal, boy. We're going to come to an agreement. You, if you, he's got this thing where, like, now when we tell him no, we're mean. Like, you're so mean for that. Like, really, you think, you think I'm mean? Wait until I get the vinegar, right? I mean, we're going to find out who's mean here in a second. But I said to him, okay, here, here's the deal. And we, we came to this agreement. We said, son, listen, if you scream at us that we're mean one more time, you're going to get a cap full of vinegar in your mouth. And he was like, he's just sitting there. I said, now, now, and this is, this is my favorite line. I said, say back to me what you heard me say. Well, you said that I couldn't have a Pop-Tart for breakfast. And it, no, 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 no. I said what? You call me mean one more time in this house. You scream that at your mother or I. You are getting a cap full of vinegar. Say back to me what you heard me say. If I say you're mean, I get a cap full of vinegar. Five minutes later, can I have a cupcake? No. You're so mean to me. Get the vinegar. All right. So you get the, and he is like, no, no, I can't have vinegar. I can't, don't do vinegar to me. No. So we, we, you know, kind of like graciously get him in a cornered position so that we can serve him the vinegar, right? And then he's got his, his mouth closed. So, you know, you do like the fish mouth, you just squeeze them together until you see a little hole and you're like, oh, there it is. And then you drop the, drop the cap in there and he's, you know, he's just like acting like it was battery acid that we poured in his mouth, right? He's just freaking out, spitting everywhere. Just, you know, and so I went up to him and I said, now, but do, do, are you, how could you do that to me? How, why did you put vinegar in my mouth. And I said, son, I said, we, we didn't do that to you. You chose that. We gave you the choice. That was your decision. All of sowing and reaping. And Hosea 10, 12 through 13, God is coming to the children of Israel and he's saying, hey, look, your disaster that you're in, that's not my problem. You chose that. Listen, you're not a victim of your harvest. You are the sower of your harvest. If you're sitting in a mess right now, man, you, you sow those seeds. You reap what you sow, and you always reap what you sow. And yet, at the same time, did I, do you think that I looked at my son and I said, you're no longer my son? You're no longer my son. You can't be involved in this household. Get, no, I begged him. I said, please be good today now. I don't want to do the vinegar thing again. You're a sweaty, nasty mess. You smell like vinegar now. Can we just agree that you're going to be good and we can have fun and we'll throw the Frisbee and we'll wrestle and we'll pray and we'll play and we'll go get ice cream at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when you wake up from nap. Can we? I just 
begged. It's what God is doing here. He's saying you're sowing a mess of seeds, but you can still plant something good. Will you please? Will you just please plant the right seeds? And then he walks them through the seed, the soil, and his desire to shower on top of them. Let's, let's walk through them. Number one, he starts with the seed. So he has this fatherly moment. He approaches them and he says, you've been nothing but rebels. You've been nothing but disobedient. You have reaped what you have sown. You cultivated this. You sowed this. And now you're sitting in the middle of this. And yet, Hosea 10, 12, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Do you know how refreshing it was to hear God say that? Probably as refreshing as if you're sitting in here today and you in the, in the confines of your heart know that you've been rebellious towards God. You know you've been running from God. You've been sowing seeds that you shouldn't sow, doing things you shouldn't do, living in a way that you shouldn't live. And yet you hear from Hosea 10, 12, you can still Fix it. You can still sow the right seeds. You still have time to sow the right seeds. You can fix this. If there's breath in your lungs, there is seed in your spirit to be sown. You can sow the right seeds today. That's the first thing that he says is you can start right now. Listen, this was a nation that had lost everything. And I mean, not only did they lose everything, but they had every possible warning they could get from a prophet standing before them saying, if you keep this up, the Assyrian Empire will destroy you. You will see nothing but burnt stones and rubble and all of your warriors will be dead and you will be captives. We'll see what happens. Let's try it. And they got it. And now he's saying you can still Come back from this. You can still turn this around. So here are the seeds today. We talked about this last week. Bears repeating Galatians 5, 19-23. So you're saying, yes, I want to start sowing the right seeds today. I need to start sowing the right seeds today. Here they are. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Understand, it will not inherit the kingdom of God is not speaking to salvation. John 3, verse 3, Jesus is with Nicodemus, and he says, unless you are born again, you cannot perceive the kingdom of heaven. In other words, what he is saying is, you won't understand the life that I have for you unless you are born again. And then when you are born again, you can begin to perceive the things that I have. So what he's saying is, if you are living these things and sowing these seeds, you're not getting out of life what you should be. Your harvest is not what God wants it to be. Your satisfaction is probably miserable. Heart is probably empty. And you're probably always searching for the next high to fix the emptiness that is on the inside. Yet he says, verse 22, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. These are the seeds we sow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. There is no law against these seeds. In other words, here's where we're at. Look at life. Reality starting to sink in. Yeah, I'm not really harvesting what I want to harvest. So what should I do about it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I have got to figure out those seeds, and I've got to figure out where I've got to start sowing those seeds in the areas of my life that are a mess. I, I grew up in Kansas. In Kansas, we don't have St. Augustine uh, sod. We've got fescue. It's a, it's a seed-based grass, really thin, really green grass. And you, you take that seed, and you spread that seed, you water that seed, and then all of a sudden, you see grass start popping up. Here in Texas, when I look out, and man, we've done some really smart things. We did an inflatable pool in the middle of our yard, left it for five days, picked it up, and there was this burnt square in the center of the yard, you know, just killed everything. We, uh, somebody thought they'd clean a welcome mat and leave it in the middle of my yard for four days, and then I got a square missing right there, and then of course I told you about the trail that my family leaves every time they go to the front door and just walk straight through, perfectly good sod when there's a cement, you know, sidewalk right here that they can just, you know, anyway, so here's what I do. I go to the, it's Houston Garden Center, and I pick up pieces of sod. And I go find those places that I see in my yard and I start putting down new sod because I don't want my yard to look like a disaster all the time. I don't want people to drive by and see it and laugh at it. So I have to figure out where those spots are and then I have to fix those spots. We're talking about life right now. We're talking about sowing and reaping and looking at our life and saying, what am I reaping right now because of the seed that I'm sowing and deciding I'm going to sow love there. I'm going to sow peace there. You have this patch that's missing in your marriage. Go through the list. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What do you need to sow and what do you need to sow there to begin to see the harvest that you're longing for? It's where he starts with them. So you've rebelled. So you've messed up. You're ready for what I have for you. Start sowing the seed. Figure out what the seeds are and begin to sow them. Sow them in the places that need them the most. Your marriage needs peace. Start sowing the seed of peace into your marriage. Your kids need faithfulness. Start sowing the seed of faithfulness into your children. Your life needs joy. Start sowing the seed of joy in your life. If you're not sowing it and you're expecting to reap it, what did we say last week? You're deceived. It's just total deception. If I, if I am thinking, I'm going to reap joy, and all I am is angry, annoyed, and frustrated, you're, you're not going to reap joy. It's not going to show up in your life. But he is saying right here, start with the seed, and then we're going to get right to the center of it right here. Hosea 10, 12, he says, plow up the ground, the hard ground of your hearts. I want you, especially if you've been around church for a really long time, I want you to let this sink in for a moment. Because what he's sharing with them is this. He's saying, if you know what the seeds are, and you have the seed, and nothing's changing, you got to go deeper. 
you have the seed and you know what the seed are, is and you've been around church your entire life and you've been in this place your whole life, you know what it is, but you don't have what you're desiring to harvest. You need to dig a little deeper. My son, um, man, I owe him two ice creams now. Every time I mention him in a sermon, we have this agreement. I, I get him ice cream. He's great content. He's worth every ice cream cone, right? But he, uh, the other day, Saturday morning, he, he gets to choose his breakfast on Saturday morning, trying to keep him healthy throughout the week. And then Saturday morning, he said he wanted a bowl of Fruity Pebbles. I said, okay. Gave him a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, and then I filled it up with uh, milk. And so he's sitting there, and he's, he's eating it. And then he looked at me and said, Daddy, will you get me a drink? And I said, sure. What do you want to drink? And he said, I want milk. Now, <laughs> I got I to preface this by saying... My, we have a newborn in our house. Nursing is like the, the family joke. You know, we nurse our kids till they're 12, blah, blah, blah. I told you, natural, organic, GMO-free, blah, blah, blah. And so nursing is like the really big deal in our house. So I was joking with my son, and I said, oh, you want some milk? Do you want me to go get mommy? And he goes, ew, gross, no, don't do that. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, I, I'm sorry, I didn't know what you meant. So you want cow's milk? And he went, what? And I was like, oh no. I, I felt like it was, I just told him about Santa for the first time. I was like, uh. So, um, and he was like, what, what, what is, what is, and I was like, well, um, okay. So like, he was like, daddy, I just want regular milk. I was like, well, what is in your fruity pebbles right now, pal? And he's, he's like looking at him like, whoa. I was like, that milk actually comes from cows. And you know the, the face. You see a five-year-old begin to connect the dots, and they're like, cow, oh, whoa. Like, I just thought this milk, like, appeared from heaven. You know, like, I didn't know where this came from. And what was really funny about it is he loves milk, and he always drinks milk, and he loves it, but he has no clue where it comes from. For some of us, we love, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We love those things. We know those things. But we don't know why they're not showing up in our life. And here's what we need to do. And if, I, if I'm preaching to anybody, I'm preaching to myself right now. I know the seed. Man, I got, I got degrees in the seed, right? I can tell you all the seed that you need to sow. But then when you begin to look at your life and you're going through a season where those things aren't showing up, he is saying it's not just about knowing the seed, but plowing up your heart. If you know the seed and you don't have the harvest, it's time to check the heart of the sower. It's time to check right here. It's time to stop for a moment and look and say, you know what, I know what I should be doing, but it's not producing in my life right now. What is going on? It is a deep introspection of the heart to find out what kind of soil I actually have that is willing to receive what God is trying to do. We talked about it in the first week. If you missed the first week, it would have been two weeks ago, Matthew chapter 13. We walked through every single piece of soil. I'll give you the one that receives. It's Matthew 13, 23. He says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who, two things, truly hear, you're hearing the seed, here it comes, and those 
who understand. That's a Greek word, synthesize. It means to take parts and to make a whole. He's saying it's not just hearing what the seed is, but then it is taking that seed and synthesizing that seed into your life and understanding how it fits in. And when you understand how it fits in, you know the seed, you sow the seed, you begin to reap the harvest. God's word, he says, and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as has been planted. So he says we have to have the seed. And if you have the seed and it's still not showing up, something is wrong with the soil. But when we have the seed right, and we have the soil right. We're ready to hear. We're ready to understand. We're ready to walk how God has called us to walk. I love where he finishes. Hosea 10, 12. He says that he may come. If you have your Bible, I'm circling that. That he may come. That is an urgently awaiting. That is a desperate anxiety, waiting to just show up, waiting to reign, waiting to jump right in the middle of that good seed that you desire to plant. He said that he may come and show shower righteousness upon you. That's our motivation. So we have the seed right, we have the soil right, God shows up and he showers righteousness on top of it. He shows up and he showers everything that we can desire. And, and here's what we have to understand. We can, we can begin to look at our earthly circumstances for the fruit that we desire to see in our harvest. But that's not always the way it works. Remember Galatians 6, 9. He will reap a harvest if you do not give up. At the proper time, we're going to reap the harvest in the season that God has. But while we're waiting, we're sowing. I don't have what I want to see yet. Keep sowing. I'm still waiting on God to do this. Keep sowing the seed. Keep putting the seed into the ground. Keep casting the seed into the ground. And as long as you're casting the right seed and you have the right soil, God is going to shower righteousness on top of it. Something really cool happened. I got an Instagram direct message. I'm terrible at all those things, but I got it. I figured out how to find it. I didn't know they hid messages from people you weren't following over until like weeks ago. And then I was like, oh, look at all these people who tried to talk to me. So anyway, I found it on there and it was a kid who uh, I knew a long time ago when he was a teenager when I was a student pastor. He was a mess. I mean, one of the craziest kids. He was... (laughs) All of it. Remember I told you a story about kids getting radically saved at youth camp and then all of a sudden invited me to a park where they wanted to burn all their drugs, pop their trunk. There was a gallon bag of weed and an Altoid box with an eight ball of cocaine in it. And they were like, hey, we just want to get rid of this. I was like, oh, don't get me near that. I don't want, we need to throw that away immediately, right? Well, he was one of the kids that kept his. He was like, I ain't giving that up. Man, praise God, but I'll, I'll stay, you know. So he was just nuts. He was always in trouble. And anyway, he, he sent me a message and his message said, uh, Pastor Luke, I just want you to know that I'm following Jesus and I'm serving in a church now. Amen. And then he said something. Yeah, that's worth, that's worth celebrating. But then he, he said something that really stuck with me. He said, all those messages you preached to me finally caught up to me. He said, all those, and I remember, man, I remember it like it was yesterday, preaching and preaching and preaching, and he's jacking around and he's not paying attention, but you know what was happening? Seed was happening. 
Seed was being sown. And you know what happened 15 years later? That seed took root. And you know what's happening now? Now he is leading young people in a youth ministry, and he's telling them about Jesus, and he's casting that seed, and he's giving hope because seed was cast in him a long time ago. What do we do? We just keep casting seed. We just keep throwing seed out there. And you may not get the response that you want immediately, but you turn to God for affirmation, not for the place that you're casting the seed. I remember times where I was like, there wasn't a kid who listened to a single thing I said. Why am I a student pastor? I'm a mess at this anyway. I should go figure out how to be something else. And 15 years later, I'm getting messages from kids who are saying, hey, my life has changed now. Hey, it's stuck now. We just keep casting seed, and God is the one who showers his righteousness on it. You have a kid that's far away right now, keep sowing seed. Keep sowing seeds of prayer. Keep sowing seeds of faithfulness. They don't respond to your text message when you send them Bible verses and you tell them you love them and you tell them you're praying for them. Keep throwing that seed. Keep casting that seed. It's going to come back. You have a spouse that you've deeply hurt. You just keep casting that seed of faithfulness. You keep casting what God's called you to throw into the middle of your marriage that may not be where you want it to be now. Keep sowing that seed. And if you keep sowing that seed, He's the one who showers righteousness on top of it. All right, let's bring this whole thing to a close. I absolutely love where this lands, and we're going we're gonna to land good dirt the whole season right here. So you, you caught Hosea 10, 13, what they're actually doing, right? It says, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation Safe. He comes back to them in chapter 14, and it is his last ploy. I think it's called the last letter of Hosea or the last poem of Hosea or something like that. But he goes into chapter 14, and he comes at them with this. Listen to this. This is so cool. He gives them, he gives them a vision for their future. I'm about to give you a vision for your future. He says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. We get it. He, Hosea 14, 4 through 8. It says, the Lord says, here's his word to them. Then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds. Let these words soak into your soul today. For my anger will be gone forever. I will be to Israel like a refreshing dew from heaven. Israel will blossom like the lily. It will send roots deep into the soil like the cedars in Lebanon. Its branches will spread out like beautiful olive trees, as fragrant as the cedars of Lebanon. My people will again live under my shade. They will flourish like grain and blossom like grapevines. They will be as fragrant as the wines of Lebanon. O Israel, stay away from idols. I am the one who answers your prayers and cares for you. I am like a tree that is always green. All your fruit comes from me. Catch this. This is really cool. So the cedars of Lebanon mentioned four different times by God in his final letter to them. If you look at the Lebanese flag today, you're going to see a cedar tree 
dead center of the flag. They are known for their cedar trees. It is said to be the most beautiful, most majestic forest of cedars in all the earth. In fact, guys, just run that B-roll. I have some overhead footage of the, the cedars of Lebanon. They are The Phoenicians used to take the cedars of Lebanon and they would build their boats with them. The Romans used to take the trees and turn them into treasures of trade, making bazillions of dollars shipping them all over the place. Solomon rebuilt Jerusalem with the cedars of Lebanon. Look, it, today it's like if you have Italian letter and French Italian leather and French art in your home, you're a really big deal. Now, then it was like if you have the cedars of Lebanon on your home, if your home was built with the cedars of Lebanon, if you imported the cedars of Lebanon to build your home, you have really arrived. It is the most rich, beautiful forest of cedar trees in all of the world. And guess what was in dead center of the northern kingdom of Israel as Hosea is prophesying to a bunch of people that have rebelled? Lebanon. Guess what's right in the center of their face? The cedars of Lebanon. Guess what they see on mountain ranges when they walk out to the market to get something, when they go somewhere to acquire something, when they're in the street, when they're on their way to the synagogue to worship? Guess what they're seeing? The cedars of Lebanon. Guess what was the most renowned bloom in all of the world? The cedars of Lebanon. Here's the message. He is saying, if you will, sow the seed that I ask you to sow. And you will cultivate the soil of your heart as I have asked you to cultivate. You will blossom greater than the most beautiful thing that you can imagine. You will blossom into the most beautiful thing you could have ever... Far more... Think about it right now in your mind. What is the most beautiful thing that you see bloom? My wife loves lilies. She loves lilies. And when, when I buy her lilies and they bloom, and it, she is just flipped out about lilies. Maybe it's roses. Maybe it's a, a, tr a lemon tree or something that you've planted. Whatever it may be. You think of that thing. The most beautiful thing that you have ever seen bloom. That's the message he's giving them now. Like the cedars of Lebanon. You will burst into something incredible. Incredible. He's giving you a vision for your future. You've been in rebellion. You've been running away. You haven't been living like he's called you to live. And now he's saying, if you will, sow the seed and you will till up the soil of your heart. I will shower righteousness upon you and you will bloom far more beautiful than you could ever imagine. That's what God has prepared for you in sowing and reaping. God wants to bloom something beautiful in me. But first, I have to become. Oh, don't, don't end a season like that. Don't end a season like that. God wants to bloom like the cedars of Lebanon. He wants to bloom me into something more majestic, more beautiful, more incredible than anything I could ever imagine. But first, I have to become. There we go.